Excellent. Dobry wieczór, Aleksander. Dobry wieczór, hello. Good, good. Very glad to have you back. Thank you very much for sharing your time with us. And we're uh, glad to hear that uh, the meetings in London have uh, been fruitful. We've heard so much about it. Where would you like to start? Well, uh, let me start with, with the overall uh, frame, saying that uh, this uh, conference was extremely uh, helpful and pragmatic, and so it covered both uh, macroeconomic issues uh, that were triggering the sort of like the extended uh, government support that uh, the partner countries are providing to Ukraine, and that it was also uh, highly focused on the support of the private sector, which is extremely important for us, as we understand that with such uh, devastating uh, damages uh, being uh, from, uh, you know, this RDNA report, 412 billion at the anniversary of the war, and I think we're getting to... uh, estimate of at least one trillion which is really unprecedented amount uh, that we'll need to face is is an enormous challenge and uh, we do understand that uh, mobilization of such uh, such a figure um, is only possible in combination of efforts i.e in the in in the blended finance approach having the public Concessional capital being the the first uh, loss layer, kind of, and then uh, the numerous, uh, more sophisticated value adding instruments. How to mobilize the private uh, capital uh, around Ukraine? So, I think we managed to progress with this one dramatically, um, and. Uh, in addition to that, we also uh, got this uh, progress comfort with uh, with our uh, good friends from uh, numerous IFIs and and DFIs. Um, so I, this is just a general framework. I, c- I can actually share more specific uh, stuff with you if if you're keen to hear that. Absolutely, uh, we heard afterwards that this exactly as you just said, various layers. Both the World Bank made statements. The EIB, the European Investment Bank, was quite, uh, say, staunch in its statements on that day. But you also have taken in uh, pretty much every supranational lender on board who are, who's willing to commit. That's a very strong alliance, and it's what one would have hoped for. But how did the private lenders, how did the private investors react to the conference under this framework? Uh, I think uh, specifically this uh, these prerequisites gave them uh, additional comfort, you know, because all of them are are keen to uh, to uh, observe the the first moves from 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 IFIs in the public sector, and uh, the more they see the potential for um, uh, for redirection of all these efforts into the private sector, uh, the more they are keen to continue their uh, consideration of Ukraine. And actually, uh, some of the private equity funds that are, of course, traditionally active in Ukraine have already uh, showed them that they are considering deals and uh, some of the deals in the pipeline uh, will uh, most likely be financed in the nearest future. Uh, Then the institutions like uh, DFC or FC or ABRD, they're all... uh, um, getting to finalization of the the first deals as well. Uh, um, DFC has an extensive pipeline they're working on, and um, uh, they are on the final stage of uh, approving those transactions. And we will soon see the the first results. Uh, the war risk insurance topic is very 
demander and and hot uh, where you can see uh, MIGA multilateral investment guarantee agency of the World Bank group who are raising more funds um, they, they got additional financing from uh, from UK government uh, complementing to whatever the Japanese government already uh, put in them and they have announced uh, uh, a couple of first deals um, especially the uh, the first equity uh, deal uh, on the Western Ukraine uh, with the real investment insurance uh, will also be uh, signed uh, very soon. And uh, they also extended the financing to uh, one of the local banks, uh, the guarantees actually, the guarantees to one of the local banks, uh, which is the subsidiary of the German uh, bank, is ProCredit holding. Uh, they gave them $41 million, which they can turn into 60 um and then uh, the uh, so these are both matching funds as well as top up fund concepts correct so there's a private uh, there's a private equity investment or lending investment and then there's a top up tranche to cover the first loss or how did they structure it well, well, these institutions are uh, are doing uh, the standalone deals, so they are they are covering the private sector representatives' risks and exposures, uh, and uh, but but this gives additional uh, sort of like co-financing uh, potential for the private uh, other private investors to to join. Like uh, understood. For instance, with that, yeah. So with Mega, well, Mega is covering the. The, the deal of the of the private uh, investor in the western Ukraine uh, who uh, has the EBRD as, as the equity partner right so this this is this already gives uh, more comfort uh, to to other institutions it is interesting to see since our last discussion that how much more quickly now the institutions are acting as opposed to what we've seen in the past. If you review the in actions of the EBRD, for example, in the 1990s across centuries in Europe and the likes, this is a significantly more powerful and fast and swift action. Do you, did you get the sense of urgency and commitment in London, which we would, were, were hoping for when we last spoke? Well, definitely. And when we were having meetings with IFIs, we were stressing that, Time is money, right? If I can put it this way, because uh, it's it's really important to demonstrate the symbol that there is a trust, and there are projects that are worth financing. And uh, in addition to that, like what we managed to do, uh, we had the separate uh, venue within within the conference. It was called the URC Marketplace, where the Ukrainian government has managed to consolidate number of um, investment and lending and PPP projects, both from private and state sector, uh, worth uh, with a total amount of like more than up to $67 billion. So these are like potential projects. Some of them are in a different stage, a little kind of premature to finance them, but at least you can have them in a potential pipeline. Uh, we also extensively using the Advantage Ukraine platform, which you probably already heard of. Uh, so uh, this platform is... Uh, uh, is one of the consolidators of all these projects and actually helping to verify which ones will be uh, on the first stage of uh, engagement and the later stage, etc. Um, so the, this this marketplace initiative was was really demanded. It was really timely. Um, uh, we managed to to do this with our solid partner uh, USAID, the Competitive Economy Program. Um, so we are, we're really excited to 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 bring this further. Uh, as I said that has the deals for both equity and the debt uh, 
uh, and uh, covering both public and, and private sectors. So uh, we're really keen to, to, to have it. In addition to that, like EBRD had really good initiative uh, where they signed uh, an agreement uh, with uh, 18 different DFIs uh, uh, to coordinate efforts uh, to finance the primarily private sector in Ukraine. So all of these DFIs, um, uh, not all of them like have a, a proper expertise and teams on board, you know, in Ukraine. That's why EBRD suggested that they could provide one. And um, uh, we already see that the, the, there is the nice melting procedure, you know, process uh, kicked off and uh, these DFIs uh, are now uh, directing their focus on Ukraine, although before they were not even considering Ukraine, even pre-war, but now they are, and now they see the bigger potential in that. But that is a significant uh, structural change and shift uh, to see that essentially development finance institutions have always been very slow, very careful, very due diligence uh, driven, and essentially not being able to, in any shape or form, um, be conducive to swift change. This is a significant platform change, right? and this all happens at the same time whilst Ukraine is still at war. Um, how do you rate this? Is is the speed or, on the say um, public market and umbrella uh, say financing arrangement is that faster than you expected? Uh, <laughs> I can't say that because we're we're sort of got used to such a dynamic uh, situation development here in Ukraine that we would still want it faster, of course. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, but this of course, is, no, I but, know, I get that. Yeah, but but it's still much faster than we, we thought it would be. So let's put it this way: we we expect it to be even more, uh, even faster, uh, more faster. But uh, but so far it is it is it is a bit faster than than we thought it would be. Yeah. Alexander, can I ask? It seems to me the key to unblocking inward investment into Ukraine is the war insurance uh, issue, and I'm guessing that the commercial insurance markets are closed to you. Uh, I would imagine that the kind of structures that you might be looking at would be some combination of uh, state indemnities from third party states and or catastrophe type bonds. Uh, can, can you speak to the type of structures people are, are using to address those issues? Well, yes. Yeah, so I, I would split it in, in, uh, into two. Um... Uh, points of the current landscape. So there is uh, there, are, there are a number of initiatives from from those existing institutions with the proper infrastructure already uh, on board, like uh, MIGA or uh, like DFC is doing the war risk insurance part of their political risk insurance program. Uh, EBRD made an announcement that they are setting up a special trust fund to which we already signed the first commitments from the Swiss government and Norwegian government and European Commission, uh, uh, and and this initiative of the BRD is actually the one uh, which targets the mobilization of the private insurance market, the reinsurers, but more focusing on the trade facilitation, which is also kind of a very important thing. Uh, but in order to uh, secure uh, uh, the, the investment war risk insurance, uh, also engaging uh, the private reinsurance with all their sort of like sleeping uh, capacity, sleeping uh, potential, uh, we actually stroke an agreement 
uh, with one of the uh, biggest uh, reinsurers that they're going to be assisting us in setting up the the framework. Uh, the company is called Marsh McLennan, and uh, they will do the pro bono work and um, contributing to uh, creation of the data sharing platform based on the uh, semi-classified data that will 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 need to, to have a special authorization for those uh, stakeholders of the of the insurance market, and then they're also helping us with the developing the concept of a special international war risk insurance pool, something similar to what is existent in uh, in UK, actually, uh, covering the terrorist risks from uh, from the English-Irish conflict back in times, uh, with uh, with a special focus on uh, on on the re, um, it's called pool re, uh, and uh, the idea was similar. So they first started with uh, with a public uh, finance from from UK government, and then they managed to engage with number of the um, uh, with all of the reinsurance brokers, and then the leverage within the multiple was enormous uh, that that we managed to achieve. So similar to uh, um, uh, investment uh, initiative uh, for creation of the Ukrainian DFI called uh, Ukrainian Development Fund uh, UDF that we're working with together with BlackRock as the advisor. Uh, here we want to create a Ukrainian international uh, re- uh, war risk insurance pool, uh, which will have concessional capital as a first loss layer, as a backstop, as a government backstop for any of the potential war risks. And then uh, we really uh, uh, hope and target that it's going to remobilize the whole private reinsurance market. And that comes back to the uh, layers of uh, funding in this regard, because the first loss portion obviously is extremely relevant. We discussed it last time around that the insurance markets themselves are not necessarily the most suitable ones to cover that because political risk insurance comes at a at a high price, it's very inflexible, it doesn't really attract uh, private equity investors quickly. So having first loss coverage as you intended to do with the DFIs is obviously the way to go. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's the idea, yeah. All righty, can you Tell us a little bit more about how the various, uh, say, international funds, I understand there were a lot of private equity funds, a lot of large, um, say, um, both all state funds as well, but private equity funds, hedge funds going in into the conference. What was the atmosphere? How was the overall level of support for Ukraine? I think it was uh, it was very high, um, and again, uh, 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 what I liked is this combination of. Uh, uh, proper signals from the public sector and immediate follow-up of those signals and uh, their um, uh, transformation into the specific target uh, action points from the private investors. So uh, all of them are really keen to um, to work together because this idea of the blend and the blended finance is 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 really a solution because somebody uh, may afford uh, to be uh, uh, less risk averse as as the development institutions, <coughs> while the private 
uh, investment institutions. They uh, they are keen to be uh, part of the uh, deal structuring once once this uh, first step is made, and uh, and this is also standing behind the idea of this Ukrainian DFI Ukrainian Development Fund that it will be uh, performing this um, uh, the role of this first underwriter and the risk taker and uh, doing the uh, evaluation and assessment of all the potential deals, being equity or debt or guarantees. And then hoping uh, to mobilize um, uh, the, all, all the other funds from, from 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 the private sector. So I think the the atmosphere around this was superb because uh, all of the participants finally understood that that they actually um, you know, that we're all in the same boat, right? So we're on the same track and. Uh, uh, the government uh, is is actually trying to perform uh, now more uh, uh, coordinating role, but with uh, uh, bearing in mind that this coordination is is happening together with uh, with our international partners, and we are basing this on on the uh, uh, adaptation of the best practices that uh, have already been developed and uh, with, the, with the best knowledge of, uh, of our friends, uh, consultants, and, and, and participants of this process. So uh, how will you in, in future or in the near future operate with the respective, say, investors? Uh, is there, you said the Advantage platform has been set up, uh, but uh, most of these things are still being conducted. Most of these inquiries are being conducted directly and people would like to have discrete discussions in that regard. I'm quite sure this will have happened at the conference just as well. Is there kind of a, say, regular forum or is it how how do you operate in that regard well uh advantage ukraine as a platform uh, is going to be developing uh currently it's just accumulating um applications from the investors and is also accumulating the pipeline uh verifying uh, the feasible potential deals uh, on the on the local market in ukraine and uh, we want to turn it into more functional platform uh which will allow um all the participants from other sites, uh, you know, to be like uh, immediately able to uh, to get familiar with uh, what with what the opportunities. Uh, where we also struck a preliminary agreement with one of the big partners who are going to help us with this. Uh, once we sign some MOUs, I'll be in position to disclose this. Um, but we really want to build it around the usability functionality, and so. We are sort of like uh, building up trust uh, for, from, from the investor side uh, and, uh, and potential JV partners that these projects have actually uh, been verified in the angle of professional analysis, in the angle of profitability, feasibility, and, and transparency of the potential uh, partners that, uh, that the investor is going to be getting. Fully appreciated. Uh, Alexander, what are the next steps for uh, the uh, beyond what you just indicated as to the, uh, say, conclusions of discussions which have originated both in and around the conference and in the run-up to the conference? But what are the next steps in terms of uh, build-out? We understand that one of the main investments, what $1.6 billion, for example, have been done by American partners for transport infrastructure. What are the next big investments you see coming? Well, I, I see uh, 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 really big input from uh, from the IFIs in terms of providing the leverage, which is actually triggering 
a number of uh, substantial big ticket investments uh, that are waiting from from, from the local uh, investors uh, the, the rather those feasible and bankable guys that have accumulated the dry powder and ready already put their skin in the game so they already did the investments to some stage on those big ticket pro- uh, projects so we wait for for the DFIs and IFIs and also the ECA coverage structures uh, to finally provide this leverage to them, so we we can tick this box and say uh, that there are like projects for at least three four billion, uh, just initiated by Ukrainian guys will be finalized. So this is something we'll be working on uh, on the during the next couple of months, just to make sure that these guys get the financing. Uh, this again will be the great symbol to all the other uh, capital markets uh, stakeholders that the deals are possible in Ukraine, that there are feasible projects in Ukraine, that even if the GFIs and IFIs who are normally uh, more kind of cautious in Ukraine, uh, uh, but now they, they are not because this is the nature of, of their mandate that they actually have to be less risk averse. So they are now focusing on uh, on this support. So we'll, we'll, th- this will be the one and um, and then uh, we will be uh, pushing more to uh, war risk insurance comfort and once this war risk insurance comfort is uh, achieved uh, we I hope we'll see more direct uh, investments uh, from uh, uh, from from the international investors uh, and uh, but we are, we already have the short list of who we're going to target uh, because they have some preliminary interest, and we hope to gain maximum feedback after the URC and after this marketplace uh, presentations. Even the URC uh, um, uh, sort of like the portal uh, is 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 ena- has enabled the. Uh, um, sort of like the feedback for all the delegates that they were participants, whether they want to see the specific investment uh, areas and opportunities from Ukrainian side. So uh, we're going to be uh, uh, sort of like uh, chasing this interest uh, during the next uh, couple of weeks and we'll be uh, getting directly uh, in contact with those who are interested and we're following up with them in order to, uh, to get them closer to the deals. That's very good to hear. Now, often enough, uh, it is said that capital is rarely ever the restriction. The availability of capital is there. The question is how to mobilize it. And typically that requires lead investors, people who actually do the work, who are industrial investors and the likes. How is that uh, How is that forthcoming in this regard? We do understand there's a lot of so-called small and medium-sized companies from northern Italy, from Germany, from Austria, from uh, Sweden and the likes who are interested in making changes to their either existing investments as well as uh, refurbishing or re-upgrading them. Look at Knauf, for example, whose plant in Solidar yeah. was, went completely under. They have uh, literally exited the Russian market and won't go back there because there's no gyprock to be produced, respectively sold there any further. But at the same time, there's many other industrial investors who evidently will be part and parcel of the reconstruction of Ukraine as well as the build-up of new technology. How do you market to them? How do you organize that kind of an approach sector by sector? 
well, well, we'll first see the, the country of origin because uh, there are a number of uh, products already available from, from their ECAs and DFIs. So we will navigate them there, even if they don't know that uh, this, this, these products are existing. That sometimes is the case. And uh, we are, are also have the number of um, uh, our priorities in terms of industries uh, that are fitting into our new sort of like economic strategy and transformation strategy that's been developed in the ministry of economy um, and uh, we will be providing uh, all the all the support for these for these guys uh, again uh, br bridging them together with uh, IFIs, DFIs, ECAs and uh, uh, paving the way for for their uh, access to the to the coverage and financing and to the guarantees and we'll be working together with them uh, uh, through a number of initiatives we also have another institution called Ukraine Invest that is actually helping those who already taken the decision to invest and uh, we call them the investment nanny sort of like institute and they will be uh, uh, in position to help them you know secure the site if they need if it's a greenfield project uh, project or if they need to get some help with access to uh, utilities uh, or uh, some assistance in uh, in the government relations so uh, we, we will be mobilizing all of these uh, instruments that's excellent. Where would people find better access or how could people, uh, say, in Western Europe and North America best understand the uh, strategy for the reconstruction which you have set up? Uh, we, we'll make a separate presentation on the uh, on this, and once it's like fully discussed internally, and we get the feedback from local business and civil society in Ukraine, we will publish this on the Ministry of Economy's website, and it will be accessible for uh, like the, to 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 understand what are the strategic priorities for Ukraine. I, I'm afraid I have to run. It's 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 really I'm sorry that it's not a, a little hectic and that number. Yeah, so uh, it was it was a pleasure as always, and I'm delighted to to to. to have this opportunity to speak to you guys uh, thank you very much alexander for taking yeah, the time sincerely yeah, appreciate yeah, it thank yeah, you alexander yeah. thank you very much and yeah, we shall hope to have you back soon all righty ming thank you very much that was a great interlude everybody big hand to alexander Griban, the deputy economic minister of economics of ukraine who's been reporting on their uh, on the outcome of the uh, london or ukraine recovery conference in london um, at the end of June, and uh, how this impacts and propels Ukraine forward. Excellent. Hey, over to you, and I'll hand over to Shaggy as well.